would say to someone starting out in, in you know, so-called regenerative agriculture is that, yeah, don't attach your ego to the word because, I mean, this road I went down for sure. I was so attached. My ego was so attached to being a regenerative farmer. I, I sort of almost cringe at it a little bit now. You know, we're all farmers. We're all farmers. doesn't matter how you're farming. We're all farmers. And, you know, really, if we want to produce positive outcomes, we, we need to stop pitching ourselves against each other. Hello and welcome along to the Quorum Sense podcast. I'm John O'Frew, and I'm excited to be here with you as we dive into exploring how New Zealand farmers are creating more resilient, regenerative, and enjoyable farming systems. All right, everybody, welcome. I'm joined today by someone familiar. You've all heard of him before. Uh, Mr. Jake Heron, all the way from, actually, I won't share where he's from, but we're revisiting where Jake's gotten to in his journey. Good afternoon, Jake. Afternoon, Jono. So, man, it's been two years, almost almost to the day, since we recorded your your first podcast, and it was a it was a really well-received podcast. I mean, where do we start? What's What's been happening since then? A fair bit. Yeah, where do we start indeed? Uh yeah, everything everything's changed since then. Changed, transformed. Um, so last last we spoke, uh, I was leasing 160 hectares in Central Otago, fairly challenging environment, and and having a crack. Yeah, on my own essentially. Um, well, and with the help of of my then partner Sally, which you know that's since changed as well. And um, at the when was it? <laughs> I'm trying to think now. At the end of uh, 2020. One. the end of 21 yeah um sadly let go of the lease of of that block um yeah it was a really challenging couple of years and and really just boiled down to it wasn't it wasn't viable there was some challenging times for that you know we had the the obviously the, the craziness of lockdowns and those sorts of things and stock prices doing funny things and it just it just didn't work out and that was a huge growth and learning for me and you know around managing expectations and not letting what many including myself perceived as a failure not letting that get me down like it took me a while but when I when I sort of started looking back on that on for what it was I started saying to people that I've got a I've got a university education finally. I spent spent roughly the same amount of money, probably, if not a bit more. Uh, I did it in half the time and got probably double the experience. Um, and it set that set me up to to move on to the next stage in life, you know. Like there was so much growth and learning through that, and and you know, that yeah, the the blood, sweat, and tears and expense that went into it set me up for the next step for the next the next move um which i didn't know what that was for a while i went and drove tractors for a season did a season uh bailing for central rural services and honestly loved that for a while just stepping out and getting in a machine and and going for it you know um it was it was good fun just to it was a good place to go and have fun for a season you know great people to work with and and just had a really great time uh and then you got in contact with me actually about this place uh, in in Matakana, which I had never heard of. Googled it, found out it's 
just north of Auckland and went, oh, sorry, mate, north of Auckland, that, nah, not interested, no <laughs> way. Why the hell would I want to go there? I, I think I might have even uh, used a swear word, to be fair, about, about the concept. <laughs> but um, And yeah, and my new girlfriend, board, well, I was saying you, no, we've been together for a while now, but partner Emma and I, we were both fairly adamant that we were, we were never moving back to the North Island. It just turned out to be at the right time too. It niggled away in the back of my head and Emma and I were looking, we scoured the length of the South Island, looking at all sorts of different opportunities um, on different farms and different share agreements. And every time we just, you know, uh, Carrie Joe said to me, you know, a, friend, a mutual friend of ours said, said to Emma and I that if it's a maybe, it's a no, you know, we were looking for, for the, the thing. And um, if it's a maybe, it's an O. And we, every time we came away from all those things, it was a maybe. I remember saying to you, oh, maybe we should talk to this this guy up in Matagana. And um, it just timed perfectly. Emma and I were driving away actually from Zeb Horrells. We'd been to talk to him about something. And awesome opportunity he had there too. And like still to this day, you know, would have would love to do something with Zeb. But we were just feeling a bit deflated because it was still a maybe. And then, yeah, you rang me and said, oh, no, he this guy wants to talk to you. And we got on a plane and come up and realised that Matakan is not, not Auckland. Uh, it's a very, very cool spot and went bugger it. Let's let's go. And so, yeah, it's an opportunity to elaborate on that, I suppose, uh, managing yeah, managing a couple of farms up here in a, in a I guess, so-called, yeah, in a regenerative fashion um, with visions that, very much aligned with what I wanted to do with my lease plot, you know, gate to plate, being directly involved with the consumer, um, diversity of operations and all that sort of thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's been incredible, really how it's worked out. And yeah, going back to that, what I thought was a perceived failure on that lease plot, if I hadn't done that, no way I would have had the experience that, that was uh, required to come and take on this role. So you went from... So coming out of the lease, you would say you were in like negative equity almost, like you would have it would have cost you money. Yep. Yep. So you you like tell us about that. You you bought or you you had some animals land and then you know the borders closed to export market. But yeah, yeah, essentially your first unit of lambs got through a go lamb scheme with PG Wrightson. Um really excited. And the day after they arrived on farm trying to shut their borders for COVID. And that's, you know, so when things started started to go a bit topsy-turvy and, you know, the reality was by the time it was coming into winter, it was going to pretty much bankrupt me to sell them. So ended up carrying them through winter, not putting the weight on that we needed, not doing our grazing stock, which were part of our grazing, uh, part of our lease contract as well as we should have. And, you know, all, all compiled and, and, yeah, managed to tread water through that season and then went into the to the next season, you know, post that uh, podcast on the back foot, um, you know, working full time, casual, pretty much to to put it all back into the farm, making this meat, you know, through the uh, summer of twenty twenty one. I was leaving home at four thirty in the morning, going to casual do casual work, weaning for other people all day, uh, going to do my own farm work in the evening getting home you know 10 30 11 o'clock at night and you know i did that probably two or three weeks through through sort of the weaning period um and yeah i didn't i didn't make it a big thing at the time it was just what needed to be done and 
was certainly not uh, trying to play the violin, but you know that, that's what was that's what was so, and it was um, hard work, but it was good at the same time. Um, and yeah, and that's where I was at, and it just yeah got to a point of um, not moving forward, and it's not justifiable. Yeah, so you went up and uh, and you you met with this this person, and and it was finally you found something that was a yes. Did you know straight away? Was was there some aligned values? Like what what had it that for you it was a yes? Because I get that you became very much a, a, a South Island Central Otago lad, and I you know vividly remember the like Medicata, Auckland. You know what <laughs> what had it go from that to like a yep we're going to pack up um, and and move and and also just like for the listeners um do you want to sort of mention what Emma was doing is so they can get an understanding of you know the role that she played in this move. Cool. So yeah, I mean, when yeah, to just start there, when Emma and I met, um, she was managing a seven hundred kia dairy farm and conventionally run dairy farm in uh, North Otago, and you know, really, it was it was it was actually kind of cool uh, in the early stages of our relationship. Like she was just nonstop quizzing me about uh, you know this regenerative stuff. She could, she still, she still questions some of the things we do to this day, and and that's good. It's good to have that questioning mind around me to pull me up and make sure that we're on the right track. But um, obviously, yeah, she could see some sense, and or she could definitely see the the overuse of of synthetic nitrogen and and chemicals and and the health effects on cows and those sorts of things within within that sort of really really intensive dairy and and had some questions herself on how to you know move out of that. When we spoke about coming up here. It was like right, um, come up, and what was it? It was, I mean, it was him. It was a big part of it, you know, coming and meeting and sharing the vision, you know, talking about life in general, and you know, just it just having that shared vision and 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 passion, you know, that that he sort of said to us, passion you know his belief is that if you apply the passion and the money follows and that's that's what he was really looking for was passionate people i i knew within an hour of being here that i was coming he said much the same to to us you know i think within three hours i've made up my mind i want you which you know that that's pretty powerful and you know emma's the the conservative bit more conservative she likes to think things over and that's cool that's that's the balance we strike in our relationship is i can jumping with gusto a bit blind and you know she holds me up to make sure we're thought about it and then you know and then I help push her over the 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 hump sometimes too so yeah she tortured me the whole next day flying back to the South Island and yeah got off and she said on the plane oh what are you going to do if I say no <laughs> I'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it I think I said um if we get to it and yeah, got home and I finally cracked and said, right, you haven't said anything all bloody day. <laughs> What's the story? We need to communicate about this. And she said, oh, I knew when we were there that we were going. <laughs> I just wanted to see what you'd do. And I mean, yeah, it was, Matakana is a pretty special little place, which we've probably discovered that more since we've been here. I don't think we really got that at the time, but I can't even describe what it was. It, it was just the energy was here, you know, the people and the accessibility, like I didn't realize how much I've missed native bush being down south. You know, there's just being back in the, you know, especially this far north and you're surrounded by native bush, you've got beaches everywhere and beach bush walks. And yeah, it was just like, cool, this is, this is the next step. Um, and it was very hard for me to leave Central Otago, but 
it's it's been the right move. Tell us a bit about what you were moving to. Was it an established farm? Like, was it, you know, what were you taking on? Uh, so no, it was completely unestablished. The two farms had been purchased in January of last year. One was still leased out until October of last year and the other one had nothing on it. Oh, the neighbour grazed it for a little bit. But so basically when we arrived to, to take it on, you know, the, the farm company owned nothing, not even not even a quad bike. Um so, you know, that in itself is a very unique opportunity, which, you know, we feel very privileged to have been able to take on as to, as to you know, go out and set up a farm from scratch and, yeah, and, you know, do it in the way that we want it. We've, we've got a lot of freedom here um, to, to run it as if we own it. And, that, and that's what, you know, what Medicana Meadows wants is, is for us to, to treat it as if it is our own. Um, and, yeah, you know, we, we have a mandate to make it make money you know, it's not a situation of just keep throwing money at it. You know, we've got a mandate to the the, the company has to make money. So we've got a we've got a hundred and around 125, 130 hectares of of effective grazing land, um, and then you know around approximately another hundred and seven hectares of, of native bush. Um, so, I mean, coming from the South Island, it's a pretty small farm to us. Um, people up around here say, oh, it's a good size. <laughs> uh yeah so it's been a big adjustment you know stocking rates you obviously can carry a lot more but regardless um you know to run it as just beef or just sheep and beef which it's currently just you know all we're running as beef animals currently it's what we've got got started with but you know doing the doing the numbers you know if we only ran beef and sheep then uh you know it barely pays for one manager alone two and so definitely you talk to people and there's some head scratching going on, looking, looking at you like, how the hell are you going to make it make money? And, you know, essentially I say what we've been employed to do is to diversify. Um, you know, we're not just employed as managers. We're, you know, we're employed to, to create the vision, you know, take it from a vision to to reality and, you know, yeah, diversification is, is, the only way this this operation makes enough money to to cover us being here and so you know we're looking at we're looking at all sorts of different things i mean a few people have said oh you're going to do a nadia's farm sort of scenario i haven't seen nadia's farm i know there's uh you know there's good and bad reviews on it um you know knowing what they're doing there myself having met carlos before and whatnot um i think you know it, it is definitely a similar sort of thing we're going for you know, we want to be selling all of our produce direct to consumer and, and basically being a one-stop shop for you to come and grab your um, your essential foods, you know, meat, veg, bit of milk maybe. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Very, you know, unique topography and obviously pulls for a lot of different management to, you know, what you're used to down south. Obviously a lot more rain. How's the adjustment yeah. been going from, you know, dry being the challenge so like what are some of the you know we talk about weather and what are the what are the climatic adjustments that you've had to make so my average rainfall in fruitlands was 450 to 500 mils of rain approximately depending on the year i think i might i might have had 500 mils the year i was there my first year there but um and our first uh we 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 had six months we had 600 mils of rain here in our first six weeks i think so we arrived in in mid-june and yeah, so yeah, we had my, my old annual rainfall in, in six weeks. Um, that was a what the hell have we done sort of sort of moment, you know? 
um, mud like I've never seen in my life. Uh, so the, the the home farm was still leased out at that point. And of the two farms, it's definitely the most uh, challenging for winter. I'd say just sitting back and observing the the guy leasing it, you know, it was his, his um, dairy support unit for the winter. And, and yeah, like, yeah, it, it was good for us to be able to sit and see, just see what it does get like. Um, you know, people say, oh, you'll never, you know, you, you won't ever know mud like it. And, you know, until until you see it, it is hard to comprehend. I mean, the do- the dogs were were sinking, walking across the paddocks. You know, um, so it's not something I'd ever had to deal with. Um, our other farm, which we ran through the winter, was easier. It does seem to be a bit more free draining, doesn't go as puggy. But you know, we still we still made a mess of a couple of things before we got it right. Um, so yeah, it was a whole new challenge, like going from freezing winters where you do you know you make a bit of mud on you know well back, back to my more conventional days you know grassy crops and all those sorts of things you expect to make a bit of mud on them and even going into cover crops you know still in in the wetter times of winter made a bit of mud with them as well but nothing you know up here grass you know grass wintering and, and still yeah just really really challenging not to make a mess of things and what we're going to do moving forward is still you know, it's going to be trial and error of how we are going to get through with as, as minimal damage as possible through these winters. And really, I think it is going to be building that building that feed through the autumn and pushing out onto a long round to just have as much of a cushion as possible and having animals eating and sitting down, not up pacing. Like that's that's the that's going to be the key is having them eat and sit down. And if that means we're going to be out there shifting them blimmin four times a day then that's you know that might be what we have to do if we want to you know bring ourselves through and hey it's, it's going to be trial and error so the, yeah that's that's been a whole new challenge um we've heard we've heard of how quickly it can go dry here this season's been one out of the box it's just it hasn't stopped raining you know we got I managed to find a dry window to plant a cover crop in, in November, and then the following week we had another 350 odd mil of rain. <laughs> um, I think since we arrived, since I started recording in early July, we're close to 1300 mils on the home farm. Oh no, 1200 on the home farm and 1300 on the on the other block, which is 10 minutes up the road. So, yeah, a lot of rain. Everyone sort of seems to be saying it's it's one out of the box, and and the grass is just going berserk, like. Yeah, I've always said having too much grass is not really a complaint, <laughs> but I've, I've never also had the opportunity to have as much grass as what we've got now. Um, and it, it can be a bit daunting and, and, and frustrating seeing, yeah, seeing it, uh, you know, look if you look at it as a wasted opportunity, then yeah, it gets quite frustrating, but also looking at it as in we're looking after, you know, we, we're giving the farms a good break and, and letting them, recover before we you know well and you know doing doing our best to nail our grazing management but just taking it easy for now too while we get it get acquainted with the farms and we've got big infrastructure development going on a few big projects coming up um yeah it's it's daunting some days looking at yeah if you if you sit and stare at the big picture for too long at the enormity of what we're taking on with what seemed to us to be small farms um 
it's actually yeah, it's huge. Um, and if I make it mean something, then it <laughs> it it can paralyze me. But yeah, it's just breaking it down and getting back to basics and putting one foot in front of the other. And how's the dynamic, Jake, with um, you know Emma coming in, very different background in, in farming, and you know running the farm together? How's that dynamic going? It's had its challenges for sure, and you know, especially in the early days, we never worked together. We only lived together for three weeks, four weeks before we moved up here. Um, throw into the mix just after we accepted the job here, uh, discovered, found out that we we're having a baby um who was just born just over two weeks ago uh Declan he's he's our new little bundle of joy and he is he is a bundle of joy um but yeah so you know through all that into the mix it was a big shift never lived together never worked together um yeah certainly when we first got here there you know it was it was it had its challenges um and it's taken us some time to to find that that groove because you know Emma had come from managing and being in charge of her staff and I'd come from working for myself but even even when even when I was driving the tractors you know I was um sort of one of the more experienced guys on our crew so I found myself with a bit of responsibility there as well so you know we were both used to being somewhat in charge (laughs) and yeah finding that groove and it and it took um a conversation with a mentor, you know, and who really telling me that, you know, it was, it was time for me to step up and step into my masculine and, 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 and lead and not, not in a dominant, you know, not a, a, a leading by domination, you know, just leading by being a, a strong masculine figure in the relationship and in the working relationship. And um, yeah, that, that helped, you know, when I stepped up and I guess stopped, stopped trying to be so placating all the time. Um, a lot of our frustrations sort of did back off and, you know, and communicating openly that I was going to do that too. You know, I didn't just step up one day and start leading and expect Emma to fall into line or anything like that. You know, that wasn't the way that went down, you know, communicated clearly that, you know, we're, we're a team and we're doing this together and I intend to, to lead this family and um, in, a, in a healthy way and that we're still figuring this out so it's not always going to go great um, but yeah I think that that helped both of us and that, you know, we did find a really good groove there for a bit and taking on our own responsibilities you know I had, we had, Emma was running the, manage, the the grazing management on one farm and I was running it on the other farm and we just kind of compare notes and and bounce off each other and um yeah now now Declan's on the ground that dynamics changed again I'm you know pretty full-on both farms you know working to get the, all these different projects off the ground and you know the grazing management all that sort of stuff is all, all down to me at the moment um Emma's stepped back looking after bubs and uh and also you know doing a bit more of the office work which you know, interestingly enough, the off my my things that I did in the office uh, that I like done a certain way were quite hard for me to let go of. Um, but that's you know part of it is yeah the communication and letting go of it needing to be done a certain way to allow you know the other person in the dynamic to to express themselves and um, 
and you know share the load. How's dynamics changed with baby Declan on the ground, as you see, as you put it? Uh, I love to say he's a he's a the most glorious time waster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do definitely have my mornings and lunch times where yeah you go and pick him up and might take me an extra hour to get out the door than it would have otherwise because yeah. Um, it gives you a different kind of drive and I mean anyone who's become a parent will, will relate and someone who isn't a parent just couldn't possibly I don't think um, until you become one if you become one gives you a different kind of drive and yeah I feel very yeah once again very privileged or even goes so far to use the word blessed that we're in a position where you know we can we can farm as a family unit um, that I can pop home and see my son and and support my partner and that you know as he grows he'll you know once him is healed and and fit and ready again there's going to be no keeping her indoors he'll be in the front pack and out doing everything we're doing um, so yeah that's the dynamics changed for sure um, but I don't know for that long <laughs> and just like for the listeners who maybe haven't listened to the first episode how old are you uh 28 how was it shifting to an area because did you did you know anyone in the area not really no like a, you know i got a high school mate lives in auckland um we went totally different ways in life he, he went off and did an art major and i went farming um still quite cool to catch up you know with those having gone totally different directions in life it's always interesting but no otherwise oh one farming mate up in whangarei who i, I actually haven't even caught up with since we've been here so no, we didn't know anyone moving somewhere totally new. And for me, it wasn't a huge deal. I've done that a lot throughout my life. Um, you know, my shepherding career had me, you know, shift around a lot, new areas, make new friends all the time, go overseas. You know, I've got I've got a lot of friends all over the country and the world as a result of, you know, how I lived prior to sort of taking on that lease in central Otago. So it wasn't a big thing for me I know uh it was a it was you know it was a challenge for Emma um she had family down south she's originally from the North Island but she had her grandmother down south and yeah and she'd been she'd been in the North Otago area for 10 years so um yeah it's yeah it's, it's had its challenges and we've moved to a great area too um a community of people who most of them have moved here um there's still the local locals but most of the locals have moved here so they know what it's like to be the new person very welcoming um not a very big farming community we're in the fishbowl here a bit a lot of a lot of um you know urban around us um or urban but yeah yeah well it's becoming urban for sure there's um new developments popping up everywhere so you know my first six months here i don't think i actually met another farmer for that first six months really um it was quite bizarre i didn't spend much of my time talking about farming at all uh it was great in a lot of ways um and i guess by that yeah great community and that i haven't found even you know and even among the farming community up here you know i haven't really found any of that tall poppy syndrome you know different ideas are, are, are welcomed here being different is welcomed here so in that respect, we feel, yeah, we felt very welcome here, which is, is is great because, yeah, that was it was something that obviously is on your mind when you move somewhere where you don't know anyone. 
and have you felt like you've been like in the world of sharing what you're doing on farm and you know for a lot of people especially from you know down south it's a very sort of strong sadly uh, you know urban rural almost like a divide um you know how has the community uh received what you're doing on farm because i get that it's some of your management techniques and you know your ethos are, are you know could be very different yeah i mean in general we've been received really well um people are soaked because the farm which we run is, is so close to the Matakana township you know people were sort of very curious to know what was happening with it um and it's quite good being involved in that that town community that you know there are people who obviously don't have a great deal of education on on farming in general or have only seen the bad sides of you know bad, bad media and things like that that it is great having those conversations and, and you know start opening people up to it and and you know and we are you know really we have been received really well um by by everyone that's yeah it's great so where you're at now you, you're in your first season it's been a, a a crazy adjustment for you um what does the sort of you know uh the short distance future look like what are, what are the, what's on the cards at, at matakana meadows it's right now it is a huge amount of fencing infrastructure to go in um two different projects two different farms um contractors doing one farm emma and i doing the other uh, water water articulation going into the other farm because there's, there's nothing of the sort up there. Um, we've got native planting coming up. Uh, yeah, taking our first steps into diversification, which I won't I won't sort of delve into that too deep, but that's sort of that's on the cards as well. Um, yeah, integrating ourselves as a family, and and you know having that 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 work and shifting the needle improving our soils, improving our grazing management, you know, livestock health, animal production, all those things, you know, taking on this whole thing and really, you know, we're trying not to let any of it slip. And yeah, like I say, when you look at it as the whole, it, it can be, it can be daunting, but I mean, that's any farm. I'm, that's not unique to us. That is, that is any farm. There are so many different uh, layers to to the operation um yeah so i mean yeah the the, the short term really is is focusing on infrastructure and having it you know developing our management techniques to have it you know work for us and work for the land and for the community how have you found the working relationship with the the owner you know is, is he is he pretty impressed with with where things are at He's happy, um, definitely. You know, there can be the, those times of, oh, uh, you know, I hope we're we're doing all right. But no, he, he's definitely he's happy and he's, I, you know, he's great, really. Um, you can go to him with with anything and and nothing's a problem as long as you know transparency and trust. That's and you know that's the key to any relationship and yeah, especially this relationship between you know management and ownership is. Um, you know, if there's an issue, we're we're straight up with it about it, and and yeah, bring it to the attention as quickly as possible. And yeah, to date, it's it's really yeah, it's a, a great working relationship, and you know, and we've developed a great personal relationship with them as well. What would you say, Jake, to uh, some young 
perhaps people just getting into the industry or maybe people because I get that there's actually quite an interest of people coming out of the urban sort of race to to jump into you know farming roles what's what's important to consider when when thinking about perhaps taking on a career or even you know stepping up into into management as a young person don't scare yourself out of it don't take it lightly you know it is a it is it's a big thing it's commendable there's there's a lot of like i said there's a lot of layers to this industry you know new, new legislation all that is adding more layers and and yeah but don't don't overcomplicate it either you can you can daunt yourself um by doing that and i think I seem to quote Belsky every time I go, go on a podcast, but yeah, I listened to the, to his one with you recently and, um, you know, his, his speak of managing expectations, you know, especially diving down the regenerative um, route is, you know, that that's, that's an important thing to consider is, yeah, it's great that we jump into these new things with, with animation and gusto. And, you know, that is, that is a great thing in life. We need that. And if we don't manage our expectations, it can be easy to be beaten. I don't, I don't want to, I feel like I sound quite down, down about it all, but and that's not the case at all. Like I'm, I'm very, very happy where I am and grateful for my life. And, and I encourage everyone to, to take a leap like this or get into the food growing sector. I mean, we see the signs all at the moment, no farmers, no food. And that, that, that is the stark reality. But if we want to get to a, a food production system that is more aligned with nature as you know what regenerative farmers are trying to do then we need more people back on the land so get out there jump in do it it's all possible you know you got, you got to work at it but it's doable it's yeah jake just with regards to the location so you, you're really close to to the matakana township like like right on the outskirts yeah yeah that, correct yeah is it going to be like as far as providing uh food let's say we won't dive into what that is exactly but will, will people be able to come along get food and you know almost see where it comes from as well sort of see a bit about how things are done behind the the kitchen uh curtain absolutely i mean that's on our radar education is you know that that's something that is on our radar i can't say when when that will become a reality um I mean, hopefully sooner rather than later uh, at the moment, you know, our, our most limited resource is time. So once we are in a position where that's freed up and, you know, and we have the infrastructure in place to do, you know, to, to have people on farm, that's something that's on our radar and obviously always happy to, to have conversations with, uh, with anyone um, about, about what we're doing and, and food production and, and, you know, how we're doing that. Um, so yeah, I guess we you know we see, we do see a, a Joel Salatin kind of kind of thing going on here. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I want to go to his level of anyone can rock up any time, day or night, and you know go for a wander. But we definitely want to be transparent and have you know have our consumers and community and neighbours, yeah, be be able to engage and see what's going on here. And finally, Jake, and maybe things haven't changed too much, or actually maybe they have. What would you say to someone just starting their regenerative journey, just starting their farming more aligned with nature journey? Your excitement is awesome. 
it's what, you know, that still lights me up as a coach uh, and, you know, friend, fellow farmer, what you know, all of those things that, you know, the excitement of people who are just buzzing to get out and, and try this on. So th- hang on to that. Absolutely. And I think, it, and it just comes back to, yeah, without deflating it, manage your expectations because it ain't all butterflies and unicorns. You know, you're still farming and every farmer knows farming's it's tough work. Yeah, just but just don't lose that enthusiasm and excitement because that's just so powerful. So it gets you through, and it's absolutely, you know, I still see that it's absolutely the right way to go. Even though know, when I'm having my my bad days, where it's like, oh, you, you know, you have those days. That still have them. I think I said in my last podcast too. You know, my days where I wonder if I got rocks in my bloody head. What the bloody hell am I doing? But really, you know, it is. It's the way things need to go, and. I have really stepped away from, you know, trying to be the shouting from the rooftops that everyone needs to do this because, hey, each to their own. I, I, I place no judgment on anyone for how they farm, you know, as long as, as long as they're looking after their animals, I'm, I'm you know, I place no judgment. Um, but, you know, really, if we want to, you know, heal our, 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 our people, our society and our, and our soil, our planet, then you know, this these these practices do need to become widespread. And I'd actually just like to touch on you know, the, the the big question that everyone asks, you know, what is regenerative? And it's it's a word that I've struggled with uh, recently. You know, there's a lot of um uh positive and negative energy around the word word regenerative at the moment. And I sort of went, I was in a space of stepping away from it and now I've come back to it and I guess I just want to say for, for me, you know, where I stand with it now is to be tr- have a truly resilient system that is, you know, quote-unquote regenerative. It is that you are farming and improving, not just maintaining the status quo of your, your ecosystem, improving it and doing so with little to no input because really any input it doesn't matter what the input is any input is being extracted from somewhere else people say we're mining our fertility by not putting on superphosphate but that fertility was mined from the other side of the world so if you're putting on super you're still mining your fertility um fish hydrolysis all those things those are a byproduct or waste product from another industry and so go where you want with that but at the end of the day that is still you know that is extracted being extracted from somewhere else to bring into your operation um and i guess my perspective on that is that there is no resilience in having to buy anything in having a closed loop system on farm that is improving your ecosystem i'm not saying drop all your inputs and let everything go backwards by any stretch of the imagination i sure as hell don't have all the answers um we're still working this out but that's that's our direction and i guess yeah that's that's my little tack on to what i would say to someone starting out and and you know so-called regenerative agriculture is that yeah don't attach your ego to the word because i mean this road i went down for sure i was so attached my ego was so attached to being a regenerative farmer and i, I sort of almost cringed a little bit now um you know, we're all farmers. 
we're all farmers. Doesn't matter how you farm. We're all farmers, and you know, really, if we want to produce positive outcomes, we we need to stop pitching ourselves against each other. Um, I had a, a guy who, you know, farms conventional dairy the other day say to me, you know, very openly, that's the fantastic thing about farming is there's no right or wrong. You get to make it up as you go, and you know. I, I, I see value in some of the things he does and he's got great intrigue in some of the things I do. At the end of the day, we remove the word conventional and regenerative. We're both just farmers and we're figuring it out. That's what that's what the world needs. You let go of all the barriers and all of the division, all of the labels. Everyone's not too different. And then what's present? You know, like if you look, when you when you drop all those labels and ideals, there's a whole lot of space there, isn't there, for connection? Yeah. Jake here and thank you so much for your time and your incredibly busy schedule like I mean busy I don't take it lightly that you took the time to update us all on your wonderful journey and to inspire a bunch more people mate thank you so much oh thank you for having me really appreciate it this podcast was supported by MPI's productive and sustainable land use extension services fund the information, opinions and ideas presented in this podcast are for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. Any reliance on the content provided is done at your own risk. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Quorum Sense podcast. Subscribe, share, and if you have any comments, questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at quorumsense.org.nz or visit the quorumsense.org.nz website where you can also access past episodes. We hope you have an enjoyable week and that you've got something of real value from this podcast. Be sure to join us for the next exciting episode. We'll see you then.